omelet. No. Hold up. I gotta copy my camera. I think. Uh, copy. Paste. What's up, chat? <laughs> Dennis, thank you for the sub. Um, hello. Episode 42 of the Conservation Cast. Um, I am very excited for today. I love having guests that past guests have, have recommended to us. Um, it means that, that we do a good job here, so that's really nice. Um, our guest today was recommended um, to us by Dr. David Schiffman, if you guys remember him, who was our last shark guy. He was on the podcast. He was a, he was a, uh, a podcast guest. <clears throat> He was wonderful. So he recommended Jasmine Graham today. We'll be speaking with her and raising money for an organization that she co-founded called MISR, Minorities in Shark Sciences. Um, the objective of MISS is encouraging women of color to pursue a career in shark sciences. They're working on um, curating free workshops for people to get field experience, and they seek to promote, promote diversity and inclusion in shark science and encourage women of color to push through barriers and contribute knowledge in marine science. Um, it was a super, super new organization, like June 2020, new um i know you guys have talked uh to or no we have talked to hey thank you andrew sorry i missed that we've talked to karina newsome about uh the hashtags black in nature um black birders week and that that account black af and stem we uh talked to her about those on the podcast before and this organization was inspired by those hashtags um so 
really, really cool. I'm super excited to talk to them and, um, and bring that conversation to my stream as well. I'm glad that we've had the opportunity to do that recently in the light of everything that's been happening. Omelette, um, thank you for the $10. Cinny with $5. Koopa Steve with $77.77. Your donations are going straight to uh, Minorities and Shark Sciences today. And it's a super, super tangible um, donation goal as well. We'll talk, we'll talk to Jasmine about what they're doing with that money, but they have several phases that are outlined on their website that you can get to by doing command org. Um, thank you for the subs. Appreciate it. Um, you can, you can look at those goals by, by going through their website. Um, oh, that's funny. Sorry. Uh, okay. Another thing that I'm hoping that we get to talk about today with Jasmine is sawfish. Um, we have yet to talk about sawfish ever um, on on the podcast or on my stream at all, but they're really, really cool. What, Dobbins? <laughs> um, so Jasmine Graham, okay, so I already told you that she co-founded um, with three other women, uh, Minorities in Shark Sciences. Zach, thank you for the $15. Um, she also is a project coordinator at the Marine Science Laboratory Alliance Center of Excellence, um, and she has done research in conservation biology focusing on conservation of coastal species. She uses satellite and acoustic telemetry to track the movements of adult and juvenile small-toothed sawfish in the U.S. Um, to identify critically critical habitats and areas of high concentration to better understand the species. They're uh, listed as critically endangered um, and are on the U.S. endangered, listed on the U.S. Endangered Species Act. Um, whoa, Warber with $20. KZ with $17.77. And Crowway with $6. Thank you for your donations. Um, so hopefully we'll get to talk about an SMK. SMK with $20. Thank you. Um, we'll get to talk to her about sawfish today. We'll get to talk to her about sharks. We'll get to talk to her about diversity and inclusion. Um, it'll be a cool podcast. If you have not been to this podcast before, um, you are welcome to ask a question. You can do that by doing hashtag ask followed by your question. There's nothing else fancy that you need to put in there. Um, there's a bot, so it'll send it to a document where I can read out those questions. Today, we do have pictures and a video that Jasmine has sent over. So... Um, we're going to go through those first, similar to how we did at the last podcast. So there may be a little bit less time for questions. We won't get to all of them, but, um, it'll be cool to look at those. And again, lucid. Hello. Lucid, the creator with $300. What? Omelette with $25. Lucid. Thank you for the $300 donation. What the heck? An omelette with $25. We've hit our $500 goal. Okay, brilliant. Um, oh my god. Okay. What was I talking about? Okay. Other thing about the podcast. It's an hour-long conversation. Um, by the time I call her, it's like a 45-minute long conversation. Um, we talk about the pictures she sent. We'll talk about her background. We'll talk about her research. We'll talk about sharks and sawfish and, and the organization and how cool it is. And at the end of the podcast, there will be a quiz based on our, um, based on our conversation. 
the way that the quiz works is there's five questions, 20 seconds per question. The way that you win the quiz is uh, you have to get the most answers right the fastest. If you win and you're already subbed to my channel, I will gift you a sub to a channel of your choice. If you are not already subbed, I will gift you a sub to my channel. If you win and you are not subbed and you would rather I donate an additional $5 to Miss, uh, you can pick that as well. Um, I went a little off script there and messed up the... What the heck? I feel like I should be worried. I don't know why, but I'm scared. Like, Lucid with $800. Thank you for the $800. Hugo, thank you for the four months. Um, this, these donations are going straight to Miss today. Again, if you want to see more about Miss, you can do Command Org. It'll take you to their website. Um, you can follow their socials on there as well. They're on Twitter, um, and Instagram. And then if you want to follow Jasmine's Twitter, you can do command guest, um, to find her there. Okay. A thousand and one dollars. Am I missing anything before I call Jasmine? We already have some good questions. All right. Jeez Louise. Let's call her. Give me a second. <laughs> Liam with ten dollars. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Okay, chat, tell me about, oh, um, Tara, okay, hold on, I'm gonna mess with these alerts, but, um, you can, chat, tell me about the audio. Is the audio okay? Is everything working? I know that the cameras are messed up. I will fix them. Hold on. Audio is good. Okay, cool. Um, well, we'll go ahead and start, even though I have my screens messed up a little bit, but I will sort them out um, while we're talking. We have raised $1,011 in the, in the oh, 10 wow. minute intro that, that has gone straight to, uh, straight to miss. So if you want to introduce yourself and tell us about your organization, that would be wonderful. Yes. Uh, hello. My name is Jasmine Graham, and I am a co-founder of MIST, and uh, our organization, MIST stands for Minorities in Shark Sciences, and we are dedicated to supporting women of color that are interested in shark science, and we do that a couple of different ways. Uh, one of the ways is building community, so we currently have 137 members from 15 different countries. And uh, we all are connected with each other now. We know each other exists. 
Um, being in this field, it can be very isolating uh, because it feels like you're the only person that looks like you. Um, so knowing that there's 136 other people out there um, going through the same thing all over the world is, is really great. And so we have community, um, we have meetings where we get together and we talk and we network and uh, we work on collaborating on projects, citing each other, building each other up, amplifying each other's voices. Um, and then we also are really passionate about eliminating the financial barrier uh, that has kept a lot of people of color out of marine science for a really long time. Mm -hmm. So in marine science, unfortunately, there are a lot of times where you have to volunteer your time and work for free. And sometimes you even have to pay the people that you're working for. Um, for space on the boat um, and things like that. So it can get really expensive really quickly. Um, and that makes it very inaccessible to a lot of people. Right. And so part of what we're doing is, is trying to eliminate that financial barrier by providing um, scholarships for people that'll pay them while they're doing these internship programs covering travel and food and housing and board and everything for all of these experiences so that people can um, access them and not have to worry about how they're going to pay for it. That's awesome. Um, so that's the, the two big things we do. And then uh, we're also working to help change the culture of marine science and shark science in particular by doing things like ally trainings, um, by working with uh, societies like the American Alaska Ranks Society and other um, shark conservation organizations to make sure that uh, they're being inclusive um, and that we are considering equity in science at all times, at all facets, at all levels. And so we do a lot with partnering with those um, institutions and groups uh, to help them make sure that they are being inclusive in their practices and they establish things like codes of conduct and um, talk about things and don't just sweep things under the rug. Right. That's awesome. I love that. Um, would you mind lowering your camera a little bit, like tilting? Oh. I don't know if it's a laptop or something, but perfect. That's better. Thank you. Um, cool. So we have, we're at $1,016.54. We had a big a donation come in of $800 from, from Lucid. So that's what got us to our goal so quickly. Um, but you guys have a couple goals on your website um, that are, you have a couple phases. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, can you uh, tell us about so, those? Yeah, so phase one um, was raising money to have two workshops. Um, so we're partnering with the field school in Miami and we're actually having two workshops where we're going to have um, women of color who are interested in shark science that haven't gotten research experience um, and just really want to get their foot in the door in the field. We're having these workshops. We're actually going to take all of these women out on a boat, on a research vessel called the Garvin, uh -huh. um, off the coast of Miami to do shark tagging. So they get hands-on experience uh, with what it's like in the fields, tagging sharks, awesome. um, identifying sharks, and then we'll also be doing professional developments and things in the evening. Um, all women will be staying on board the vessel with us. Um, and so that will be a whole experience where they're learning not only the science, um, but the skills and also yeah. professional development and getting to network. So 
that was phase one, uh-huh. uh, which we were able to raise money for um, very quickly, which is really exciting. Yes, and so I saw that. We're already moving into phase two, which is reaching out to K through 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and reaching back behind and, you know, making sure that kids are getting exposed to marine science and shark science early on. And so right now we're raising money to host a summer camp uh, for um, children that are in communities that don't typically have access to things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're really wanting to get the word out, um, people that don't live on the coast, people that Um, are from low-income communities, underserved communities, and making sure that they have access to things like summer camps that that showcase marine science and will work with them to do some hands-on science as well um, to get them excited about STEM, which is something that we're obviously very very passionate about. That passion grows when you're a child, and Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of people that don't even know that you can be a marine scientist when they're growing up and they're thinking about, what do I want to be when I grow up? And so we want to make sure that they know that this is something they can do and it's something exciting and it's great to be be out in nature and nature is for everyone. That's so cool. I love that. Um, Chad, thank you for your questions. We'll get to them in a little bit. Um, So how long have you been in shark sciences? How did you get into shark science? I've been in shark science for seven years. Uh-huh. Um, I got into shark science kind of actually by accident. Um, so I grew up and was around water a lot. Um, my dad's family is from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So he's from a coastal coastal city. And um, so we would go visit my grandmother and all of my dad's had the family a lot. And Mm -hmm. so I was around the ocean a lot, Um, but I didn't really have the science background. Um, So my family, they, they fish, Um, they get most of their food from seafood. And so I was used to, you know, fishing and going out with my dad and being on fishing pier and fishing and things like that. But I started to have these questions of what do the fish do Mm -hmm. in the water? Yeah. (laughs) I, like, I, I know that we cast our lines out and we catch fish, but why are they here? Why are they all right here? That seems silly. Why are they hanging out in places where people are fishing? Um, so I had a lot of questions about that, questions that my family couldn't answer, um, that they just kind of encouraged me to go look it up. Mm-hmm. And so I would go to encyclopedias. And that's kind of where my my love of oceans and also my curiosity of having a question and wanting to figure out the answer, which is basically what science is. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of how that grew. And then I was sent to a marine science camp. My parents um, saved up money to send me to this marine science camp um, when I was in eighth grade, which is one of the reasons why I feel like marine science camps are so important because before this, I didn't know that you could do marine science as a job. Mm -hmm. So I went to the camp. And I found out that marine science could be a career um, and that you could get paid to ask questions and answer them and be out on boats and do all of this cool stuff. And so I came back from that saying, I want to be a marine scientist. And so I ended up going to college at the College of Charleston for marine biology. And I met while I was there a professor um, named Dr. Gavin Naylor. And he's a shark biologist. Uh And 
I didn't know anything about sharks. I wasn't particularly interested in sharks, um, but his excitement um, and everything that he was telling me about, and he was like, oh, and there's these really cool things about sharks and blah, 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 blah. And I kind of got excited by osmosis. And so I was like, yeah, I believe it. <laughs> sharks are cool. Yeah. And then, so after that conversation, he said, well, if I have a position in my lab, I'll email you. And so he emailed me the next semester saying that he had a spot for me um, to participate in a research experience for undergraduates. Mm -hmm. um, and he said, you should apply. <laughs> and I said, okay, great. And I applied and I participated in this research experience, um, which is a paid opportunity, which is also one of the reasons why I feel it's very important to have paid opportunities. Um, right. Because I wouldn't have been able to do it if it wasn't paid. Mm -hmm. And so um, I worked with him for a summer and it was just, I clicked with sharks. I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I love it. And I just continued working in his lab. That was, I started that project the summer after my freshman year. And I worked on that same project for the rest of my college career. Wow. And I was actually able to uh, do a bachelor's essay uh, which had multiple chapters and was pretty like extensive. And um, right now I'm working on getting that work published actually. Um, okay. So uh, I was, I'm very fortunate that I had someone that kind of told me about shark science and was passionate about it and was able to support me financially to be able to do that research and that has been supporting me continually and was actually able to connect me with the person that later became my, master's advisor. And um, so I've just kind of just been going full force since then on, yeah. on shark science. That's cool. Are the pictures that you sent here, are those from that research experience? You with the guy with the long hair and the hat? Is this different? No, that's from my master's. Oh, okay. Yeah. The ones with the, with all of the colorful uh, skeleton structures. Oh, yes. Those are the ones. Oh, Is so I actually did a project on hammerhead sharks and trying to figure out how they were related to each other. So there's 10 species of hammerheads. Um, we don't yet uh, know how they're all related to each other. Um, and so I was looking at that and I did that with DNA and then also by looking at their, their bodies, at their anatomy. And so I was able to CT scan them and then basically do like a digital dissection of them, um, which That's is a so cool. way that you can, yeah, a way that you can look at museum specimens without actually cutting into them. And so I don't have to go out and sacrifice sharks to cut open. I can just look at the museum specimens and scan them in a CT scan and see the same thing. Is that the video that you sent as well, showing that yes. process? Okay, let me pull that up too, because that was so cool. I was watching it, but I wasn't sure what was happening. <laughs> so I would love for you, to, for you to be able to explain it better than I could to them. Check, check this out. Okay, I'm playing the video here. It's basically, um, you'll see that I have like the whole head and then I'm gonna basically delete everything except for the two um, structures that I was looking at. Uh -huh. And so what I do is I go in and I, I had to, obviously learn shark anatomy very well to be able to do this. Right. So I can identify what structures I'm looking at, 
um, and be able to isolate the ones that I'm interested in. Uh-huh. And then I save that file and I basically repeat that process over and over and over again until I actually have a layer for every single structure in that shark. Um, wow. So it takes me, so that, that video that you're watching is actually real time. That's actually how long it took me to pull out those, those two structures there. Um, it typically takes, depending on how clean the scan is, because some scans come out better than others, it usually took me between um, 6 and 20 hours to do. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. What, what kind of shark skull is this that we're looking at? Uh, I don't actually remember. I can't see the video. <laughs> oh no, that's fine. Um, we got a few more donations. Oh, wait. I have big donations. Jeez. Omelette with $9. Lots with 50 Gabby with 30 Thank you. Omelette with 25 CPT with 20 That brings us to $1,150. Um, thank you guys for those donations. That's crazy. Um, okay, so this video is so interesting. I've never seen anything like this. Um, you've also done research with sawfish. Yeah. Correct? Okay, I am so interested in asking you about that because we've never really had the chance to talk about them on this stream, but they're so cool and I know nothing about them. <laughs> they are so cool. That is yeah. true. They are the coolest. So sawfish are like obviously called sawfish because they have these giant noses that look like saws on the front of their face. Right. So a lot of people, their first question is, what's up with the saw? Why mm-hmm. do they have the saw? Yes. So they use the saw for a lot of different things. So one thing that people don't realize um, is they use it to sense their prey. And so you can kind of think of it like a little fish detector. So they have all of these um, sensory organs all along the, the nose or the rostrum, that's the scientific term for it, mm-hmm. that saw. Um, they have all of these sensory organs. So whenever they swim, they swim over, you know, the seagrass or um, the the bottom of the ocean, and there's little animals, you know, camouflaged, hiding. But they actually can sense them. They can sense their movement and their electric um, charge coming off of them. Really? So that's how they can see the fish without actually seeing them. That's and amazing. They, yeah, and then they also use it to hunt with. So they'll actually swim into schools of fish and just slash. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, because you can, you know, they, they swing these rostrum very fast, super fast. Yeah. Um, and so getting whacked with a, one of those, the fish are stunned, they're injured, and then they swim back through and they basically just swallow all of the injured, stunned fish. Oh my um, gosh. So they, the teeth that they have in their actual mouths are basically just little plates. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't actually chew their food. They swallow it whole. And so basically the the saw just lets them whack the fish so that they aren't swimming away. And then they just swim back through and they just swallow them. (laughs) Wow. How how long are... Oh my gosh. Echo with the $100. Monkaroo with $50. Um, Thank you guys. Um... How how long are they typically? Because you sent so, a picture of one, and it's bigger than I thought that they were. 
for yeah, it. Yeah, they get to be really big. So the small tooth sawfish, which is the species that I study, can be mm-hmm. up to six, can grow up to 16 feet long. Oh my gosh, that's way bigger yeah. than I thought. Wow. Yeah, they are ginormous. I think the one, in, if it's the one I'm thinking of that you have the picture of, uh-huh. was about 14 feet i think if that's if i'm remembering the one i sent you (laughs) yes and then so they're also critically endangered what uh what are the threats that they face why are they having such a hard time yeah so there's a couple of things uh so the first being habitat loss so uh they use the mangroves um, which are trees that, that grow on the coastline. Mm-hmm. Um, they use those when they're babies um, to hide in the roots. So the roots of these trees actually like grow out into the water. Mm-hmm. And the little baby sawfish, because when they're born, they're really small. I don't know if I sent you the picture of the baby sawfish. I don't think so. Uh, but when they're born, they're really small. They're like this big. Uh-huh. Um, and they will actually hide in those roots to avoid predators, avoid being eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those those mangrove shorelines are super important to them. And unfortunately, due to climate change and developing the coastlines and redistributing the fresh water by building dams and things like that, our mangroves are in decline. And so they don't have this habitat um, that they need when they're babies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another big thing is fishing. So they get caught in commercial fishing a lot Mm -hmm. uh, because they have those big long saws with those teeth coming off of them. They're really prone to getting wrapped up in gill nets and and shrimp trawls and things like that. And they actually get so wrapped up that it's it's pretty much fatal for them if they get caught in a shrimp trawl because the weight of all of the things in the net being dragged through the water will actually like break off their saw ah. and crush them and things like that and Jeez. so they um, don't usually survive that um, so yeah getting caught accidentally in commercial fishing fishing is a problem and then there's also the issue in the past which is kind of still an issue now of people when they catch them they kill them to take the saw to hang on their walls and things like that for decorations so there was a lot of poaching and um you know killing the animals for the trophy um and stuff like that that's crazy that's so sad um, we had, we, well, I was rec- recommended you by Dr. David Schiffman. Um, he, he came on the podcast and we learned about the conservation risks that sharks were facing. James with a hundred dollars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, James with a hundred dollars and health points with 15 health points said, um, as a minority pursuing a degree in marine biology, I absolutely love this topic. Thanks for the amazing topic. Yay. And then James said, this is so cool. To listen to, I have the team watching your result, right? Thank you. We're at $1,415. Thank you guys for those donations. Uh, Danza, thank you for $20. My gosh. Um, Yeah, so so Dr. Schiffman told us about about the conservation issues that sharks were facing, and it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't know um, about what's going on with sharks and definitely don't know about what's going on with sawfish. I mean, I know that I know very little... Um, but I'm glad that you're here today to tell us about it. It's yeah, for it's sure. Um, we have a bunch of questions that have been asked in that chat. I said before, I'm not going to be able to get to all of them. Um, but there are a few that I've seen that may fit into our conversation 
already. Um, Super Samrock asked, are sawfish more of a shark or a ray? Sawfish are rays. Um, so one of the ways that you can tell if something is a shark or a ray is you look at their mouth and their gills. Mm -hmm. Their mouth and their gills are on the bottom. They are rays. Okay. If their gills are on the side and their mouth is in front, they are sharks. So sawfish are super weird, not just because they have this giant saw on their face, but also because they're a ray that looks kind of like a shark. Yeah. So they're really flat like rays. They have their, their mouth and gills on the bottom. So yeah, they're rays. But then when you look at the bottom half of them, they have dorsal fins and they have a tail like a shark. So that's weird. It is. They <laughs> um, do look very sharky. Yeah, they're like this weird hybrid animal. Um, so that's one of the reasons why I'm so drawn to sawfish is they're mm -hmm. just so interesting looking and you look at them and you say they're obviously doing something really special because nothing else looks like them so obviously the role that they play in the ecosystem is very specific right because there's nothing else that looks like that so obviously they're doing something that all of the other animals aren't doing yeah, totally. um, so that's that's one of the reasons why I think it's super important to protect them. A lot of times we have animals go extinct and they go extinct right underneath our noses and we don't realize how important they are until they, they're gone. And then the ecosystem's thrown out of whack and you're like, how did that happen? Right. I don't know what's going on. So yeah. it's really important to be aware of these things and to really push for your policymakers and things like that to try and protect them, not only with laws, but also with enforcing those laws and, and putting their money where their mouth is and not just saying, hey, don't do that, but having real punishments for people that are, are doing things like um, illegally poaching and killing sawfish and things like that. Right. Um, Wujito, thank you for the twenty dollars. Um, so one of the one of the things that you do in your research is use telemetry to to track the sawfish. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And are those the pictures that you sent? What that is? There's a picture of you sitting with I don't even know. It's like a black cylinder thing with a little yeah, laptop. Yeah, that's our okay, receiver. Cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so telemetry. There's there's two different types that I use. There's satellite and there's acoustic. And so the satellite, uh, like the name implies, uses satellites. And so we actually put tags on the outside of the sawfish and we have the tags so they kind of like float behind them. And mm -hmm. so and when they're at the surface, they'll transmit um, information to the satellite about what, where they are, what their location is. Um, and it's also tracking the entire time. It's estimating where they are um, based on light and temperature and things like that. And so after a certain number of days, it'll actually detach from the sawfish and float up to the surface. And it'll share all of that data that it's been recording in the tag. Oh, cool. And um, so that's one way that we track the sawfish. And then we also do acoustic telemetry which is where we actually surgically implant a little transmitter that's about that big into the belly of the sawfish. And these tags, they have batteries that last between five and 10 years. And so we can track them for a long time. 
And with those, anytime they swim near one of our receivers, the little black cylinder things you have in the picture, mm -hmm. those are, we, we sink them to the bottom um, and we have a whole bunch all over the place. Other researchers have a bunch. There's thousands of receivers all along the coast of Florida alone. And anytime a sawfish swims near one of those, it will um, ping and it'll say, oh, there's a sawfish here and it'll keep recording until the sawfish leaves the area. So it'll actually tell us when the sawfish showed up in the area, how long it stayed, did it come back, how soon after did it come back, all of those things, uh, which we can get by diving down and picking up the receivers. Um, and then like you see in the picture, we link it to a computer and we download all of the data directly off the receiver and then we put it back down on the bottom. That's awesome. Um, one of, uh, let's see, XG asks, once you tag one, how long can you track it for? You said five to 10 years? Yeah, the That's acoustic tags, it's five to 10 years. With the satellite tags, it's 60 to 150 days. Okay. Um, omelet with $45, that brought us to $1,500. Um, yeah. Thank you guys for those donations. That's awesome. Um, so why is it important to do that tracking? Is it just so you know where they live so you can better protect that habitat or are there other reasons for that? Yeah, exactly. So it's really important to know um, where they live, where they're spending their time. Uh, we actually found out that they, they migrate. And so we're like, well, where do they go whenever they leave? And so those are the things we're trying to figure out. Um, we knew a lot more about the little sawfish because they kind of stayed in one area mostly in the everglades mm -hmm. and this area called charlotte harbor those two places are in florida and south florida but then when they got big they would disappear and we'd be like well why don't we see any big sawfish mm -hmm. in the everglades where do they go and so that's where my research came in where okay. we were tag tagging the big sawfish to see where they went because Obviously, we want to know where they're spending a lot of time so that we can protect those areas. And then also, I look at that data and I compare it to where the commercial fishermen are fishing. And so if one of the big threats is being caught accidentally in commercial fishing, it's important to know what areas the sawfish and the commercial fishermen overlap, because those are the danger zones that we need to um, be worried about, be concerned about. And it's also important to know when the sawfish are there because obviously we don't want to unnecessarily um, shut down the commercial fishermen because that's their job, that's their livelihood, mm -hmm. um, has huge economic impacts. But if we can find out that the sawfish are only there in this one little part of the year, then we can do things like, okay, we'll just say you can't fish in that area for X amount of time while the sawfish are there, but you can fish any other time. Yeah. And so we're just trying to figure out where are the areas where you're, the sawfish are most at risk and how can we balance protecting the sawfish with also protecting the economy um, that's, that's driven by the commercial fishermen. Mm -hmm. Okay, very cool. That makes sense. Um, okay, we have so many questions about sawfish. This is so cool. Um, Let's see. SMK asked, how do they benefit their ecosystem? I know that you said that they're they're pretty niche because they're so different, but it's a pretty broad question. Yeah, so um, they do a lot of hunting um, and they do a lot of 
uh, of kind of what we call, they're what we call apex predators when they're adults. Mm -hmm. And so they are at the top of the food chain as adults, nothing eats them. Um, And so what that means is that they are controlling everything below them. So they're making sure that certain fish populations don't get, don't grow out of control. And they also do things like weed out the the slow um, fish. They're capable of going into really, really shallow water because they're so flat. Um, So you're probably not going to see a giant hammerhead in two feet of water, Mm -hmm. but it's highly likely that you could see a 16 foot long sawfish in two feet of water. Wow. Um, They can go up in areas that other animals can't. And so they're eating things similar to what sharks are eating, but because of the way their body is shaped, they're able to hunt in different areas that sharks can't get to. Um, And so that's something that's really interesting about them. They actually can go in and they actually hang out in super shallow water. People have seen them and called us and reported seeing them just yeah. they're riding their bikes along the shore or something and they just see this giant sawfish just sitting in the water just right there right yeah. by the land <laughs> they're not even in like the people don't even they're not even like in the boat they're just like walking on a yeah. trail and they look down and there's just a sawfish in like two feet of water just hanging out <laughs> i can't imagine if you if you weren't familiar with a sawfish or you'd never seen one like what your reaction would be to seeing this yeah. in the water they look so crazy um how, what's their vision like this wasn't this is my question nobody asked that i'm just interested uh their vision is is pretty standard they they don't see super well uh but they're not like blind uh okay. they have you know normal level of vision okay and then somebody else asked yeah so do sawfish have any predators besides humans so not not really or no not um, when they're adults. When they're when they're babies, then sharks eat them. When and crocodiles, saltwater oh. crocodiles also eat them. But. Oh, I see. Um, <laughs> Roasted also asked: Do people still avidly poach sawfish, or is it less of a problem? I think you mentioned that earlier as well. Yeah, it is less of a problem, but we have um, several people that are on what's called the sawfish recovery team, and a couple of them, their job is just to watch eBay and social media mm-hmm. and things like that to see if anyone tries to sell any sawfish rostrum. Yeah. Um, because it's illegal to sell in many states, not all states. There are some states where it's totally legal to sell pieces of sawfish, uh, which is a problem that we're working on. Really? Um, but- yeah, but you'd think because of the like because the Endangered Species Act that that wouldn't be a thing. That's so bizarre. Yeah, you would think <laughs> uh, the Endangered Species Act says that you can't fish for them on uh-huh. purpose, mm-hmm. and then it leaves the the states up to decide about the sell of mm-hmm. things. Um, but you know, I'm like, okay, well, where do you think they got that got it from? That's right. silly. They <laughs> <laughs> just found it. Um. Yeah, with $30, floppy with 50, bradders with 50, or at $1,630. Thank you guys so much. So many donations today. It's crazy. It's going super fast. Um, Another question. Uh, Banana asked, how many sawfish are left in the world? Uh, We don't know. (laughs) That's a good question. Uh Uh, We're trying to figure that out. Um, Yeah, not as many as there were. Uh, so people have estimated that the small tooth sawfish population in the United States 
has decreased to 5% of what it once was. Oh, um, uh, that's a lot of mathematical things, uh, but we don't know. We have no idea. This is mm -hmm. all just us making scientific guesses based off of what we're finding, but they're so rare and so hard to find that it's really hard for us to get accurate counts of, of how many there are, but there are not a lot, not a lot at all. Uh, to give you an idea, so I know where the soft, I know where the sawfish are. <laughs> I, I know what they eat. I know how to catch them. And I will fish for five days sometimes and catch two. Okay. Um, so they're really rare. Um, even when I know, like I study where they move, I should know exactly where they are. And they're still super hard for me to find. Um, that means that there's, there's definitely not a lot of them. In the United States, we used to have two species of sawfish, the small tooth sawfish and the large tooth sawfish. We actually lost the large tooth sawfish entirely. Um, we don't have any more large tooth sawfish in the United States. They've gone locally extinct. They exist other places in the world, but we've lost them entirely in the United States, which is super unfortunate. That sucks. I'm looking, I'm pulling up pictures of the two of them so they can, they can see what, what's the, um, are the, is it like a size difference in length or is, does it have to do with the rostrum? Uh, so they're, they're called large tooth and, so, and small tooth because the size of their teeth on their rostrum is different. That's like where their <laughs> common names came from. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, Zona, thank you for the $20, um, Looking to do something around coral reef restoration after my enlistment is up and sharks are a huge part of the ecosystem. Good. Good for you. Um, so, okay, you mentioned fishing for five days. Um, one of the things that I like to ask my guests, because I always have questions like, where is the one? Um, Bebut asked, what changes can I make to help with marine conservation? Zaina asked, how difficult is it to get into the shark conservation, marine conservation field? So I like to ask the question of like, what is it, what is a day in the field like? Like, what is your day-to-day -day like, day-to-day -day life like if you're doing that research? Day-to-day um, -day life in the field. Uh, so it looks like waking up early before the sun is up and um, getting all of your gear, checking all of your equipment making sure that you have all of the vials and things that you need to collect your samples, making sure you have all your tags, making sure your tags work because, oh my goodness, you do not want to put a $7,000 tag on a fish and have it swim away and then realize that it's not collecting data. That's a yeah. bummer. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we get all of our equipment ready, um, load up the boat. We're usually pulling out of the dock as the sun is rising. Um, we get on our, our locations that we're, we're fishing at, uh, we cut up our bait, we set our long lines, which are literally long lines. They have 50 different hooks on them. Mm -hmm. um, and we put our bait on there and um, we set two lines um, in the area and then we wait for an hour um, to see what we're gonna catch. And then after an hour, we start pulling the line up and we work up all of the animals that we get. So what a workup looks like is if it's a small shark, we bring it on the front of the boat and we put it in this little measuring trough and um, we take measurements. Um, sometimes we take fin clips, which is basically just cutting the little tip off of their little pelvic fins. Um, mm -hmm. That's how we get genetics. We get genetics from their little tips of their fins. 
Um, and then sometimes we'll collect blood. Um, and we use the blood to look at hormone levels to determine if they are mating or pregnant or um, just just had a baby or something like that, if they're mature, if they're immature. Um, we also use it for stress to look at how stressed the animals are um, and stuff like that. And then sometimes we'll take a biopsy, which is a little piece of muscle. So we like make a little incision uh, right underneath their dorsal fin. Mm -hmm. And then we put this little thing in there and we scoop out a little bit of their muscle. Mm -hmm. um, and so that allows us to check how much toxins are in them. Um, so there's a lot of toxins, a lot of pollution in the water. And so we want to check and make sure that the levels aren't you know, crazy. So we're monitoring the levels of um, toxins in sharks by doing that. Okay. Um, and then we will tag them and then we'll take the hooks out and we'll throw them back in the water. And that usually take that whole process takes one to two minutes. Wow. Oh, like yes. so after you catch them, they're really, yeah. so just like the least amount of stress possible. You just go really fast. That's awesome. Yeah. We go really fast. We have a system. Everyone knows their job. Uh, so if my job is holding the tail, I'm holding the tail. I'm taking the fin clip while I'm holding the tail. Person taking blood is taking blood. Person tagging is tagging. Mm -hmm. We're all doing this at the same time simultaneously. And we're um, yelling out the measurements so that people, the, the data taker can write it down. And we get them back in the water because sharks can't breathe air. Right. I don't know if everyone is aware <laughs> of that. Um, so whenever they are not in the water, they aren't breathing. Chad, so I, made, I made sure to tell her before the podcast, because I, I tell all my guests just in general, like assume that they don't really know anything about what we're going to talk about. Just talk to them like that. So there you go, in case you didn't know. Um, that's funny. I, by the way, I think it's so cool that in your skills section on your website, you have shark handling. <laughs> That's like so cool. I can't imagine being that cool. Um, okay. I think that I've pulled up all the pictures. Um, I think chat, I hope that, I hope that I did that in like good enough context. So you guys understood what was going on, but those were great. Thank you for sending those. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's, so we have time for some more questions, I think, here. Um, there have been a few questions about how strong their rostrums are and if they ever break. So I know that you said that they break in nets sometimes. And then yeah. someone also asked if they fight each other with their rostrums or if males fight each other. I didn't see the, I can't find the question, but yeah. So does that happen? Um, yeah, so uh, their rostrum can break. Um, they, like I said, they break off in, in nets specifically. Uh, we don't think that they just break off naturally. Um, there's not a lot of things that give enough force in the right direction to break it off naturally, uh, but they, they definitely get broken in nets. Uh, we see it a lot, actually. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yes, they use their rostrum for defense. Uh, so they will defend themselves by swinging it as someone that um, often is disrupting a sawfish by mm -hmm. tagging it and measuring it, yeah, they use it for defense. They will swing it at you. Um, and you got to watch out because they swing it really fast. Yeah. Um, their, their teeth <laughs> will break off. Uh -huh. um, if, they, if they hit something really hard, their teeth will break off. And it's not like shark's teeth 
In fact, they're not even really teeth. They're actually scales, but that's like a complicated thing. Um, oh. But they'll break off um, and uh, they'll keep growing as long as they didn't break all the way off. Um, so it's kind of like your fingernail, like, you know, your fingernail mm-hmm. will grow if you cut it. But like, right. if you were to rip the fingernail out, that's not going to come back. Yeah. Um, so it's like that. Um, and so we will have teeth in the side of our boat from where they've like uh-huh. out our boat. And I, I mean, boats are made of plexiglass. So it's strong enough to oh get into the plexiglass and just like stick there. Um, and so we'll have some teeth uh, just like inside <laughs> of our boat because they got mad. Um, so yeah, we've, we've caught sharks that have little puncture wounds all along their side. And you're like, oh, you made a sawfish mad. Jasmine, <laughs> you're in the water with these with this thing. <laughs> I have a picture of you in the water with the sawfish. What What is the restraint process like or how do you... I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so, How do you manage that when you're in the water? The most important thing is the, the dangerous swinging saw of death. Yes. Yeah. You want to, you want to get that restrained first. Right. So, so the first thing that we do is we kind of like lasso that, um, uh-huh. and get that under control. And then once you have the swinging, swinging part under control, it's like smooth sailing, <laughs> okay. um, because yeah. they don't have teeth. So they're not going to bite you. Um, they might whack you with your tail, with their tail, which is unfortunate, but like that, that's the only part you really got to worry about, like doing serious damage. Yeah. <laughs> and okay. so once we've got that part under control, then we just kind of ease ourselves up to it and, and wrap its, its tail up, um, so that we can lay it flat. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, that's when we start working it up once we get it flat and usually they're pretty calm, um, until, you sometimes they freak out when you flip them over because they're like, I don't want to be flipped over, which right. is understandable. I wouldn't want an alien to flip me over either. Yeah, but um, usually they're fine until you go to do something like um, whenever we do the biopsy, sometimes they'll flinch. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only part really that they feel. Um, and so they might buck a little bit. They just go, wow. What was that? Um, but most of the time they're pretty calm. Um, especially if you can keep them in the water laying flat, they're like, okay, I feel okay about this. If you start like pulling them or stretching them or trying to turn them Uh in a way that they're like, I don't want to move. I just want to sit here. Then they get a little angry. But, uh, once you get them, they're fine. We, we usually have this thing that we say whenever we're pulling them up on the line is you don't let their eyes see the surface until you get the rostrum under control. Because as soon as they see you, mm-hmm. they freak out. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, before that, they're like, I don't know what's pulling me. This is so weird. <laughs> and then they're like, ah, there's people. Yeah. I hate you. I'm going to you. <laughs> okay. Jeez, that sounds, that's crazy. Um, Danny with $11.50, Bradders with $14, Stretchy with five. We've gotten to 17, well, $1,705. Thank you. So we have a couple minutes left here. I think a good way to close it out. And one of the questions that I like to ask often, um, I guess there's, it's a two part question for this podcast. One, what is it that the average person can do 
to support shark conservation if they're not out there in the field, if they're not like in marine biology. Um, and then the second one, what can the average person do to support um, minority, not just minorities in shark sciences, but um, diversity and inclusion in the field? Um, yeah, so the first part of that question, um, things that you can do, uh, you can pay attention to what's going on in um, your the news and everything like that. Um, if you have uh, local politicians or, or whoever that are talking about making changes to conservation um, practices and protections, read up on those. Um, really push for those ones that you want to see that are going to protect um, the marine ecosystems and then push back whenever people talk about rolling those those protections back or taking taking them away or not enforcing them and things like that. Um, so using your, your voice to say like, no, I care about this ecosystem out here in the marine world. Uh, we should protect it uh, because obviously they represent you. So let your, your voice be known that you care um, mm -hmm. and you want them to be protected. And then uh, other things you can do is just monitoring your own behavior and making sure that you're um, making living in a way that's sustainable. So um, lots of pollution ends up in the ocean um, from runoff and things like that. So making sure that you're um, being mindful of that, um, debris, litter, things that I always tell people, the balloons. Balloons, balloons, balloons. Mm -hmm. I have a sad thing about balloons uh, because I work in the Everglades, which is supposedly this like really pristine, well-protected area. And I pull balloons out of the water every time I go down there. Really? And um, it's really sad and it makes me very upset. Um, so what goes up must come down, people. So like you can tell people you love them without a balloon, right. plant a tree, give them a flower, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just making sure that you're being mindful of your use of plastics and things like that. Um, we have found plastics in sharks. Uh, yeah. There's all sorts of toxins in sharks that come from us. And um, also, if you're eating seafood, just being mindful of where your seafood comes from. Mm -hmm. If it's being caught sustainably, where ask questions. Where did this fish come from? Um, when, when was it caught? Where was it caught? Um, were they doing it in a sustainable way? Um, things like that. And then products that you use. So there's some products, especially cosmetics, that use a ingredient called squalene, uh, which is from shark's liver. So you have a lotion or something and you look at the ingredients and it says squalene, uh, that came from a shark. Uh, oh. So a shark died to make that lotion. So just be mindful of that um, in you know the products you buy. If you have the luxury of having a choice of, of what to use, uh, then I would recommend using the thing that doesn't involve killing a shark. Um, right. So obviously not everyone has those options. Not everyone has options that don't have squalene in it. But if you do have the option, go for the one with the plant-based squalene or like the alternative ingredient. Okay, good to know. Good info. Um, and then that the second part to that question, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, um, yeah, helping out with um, diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. uh, ways that you can help is whenever you see scientists um, on TV, if you don't see all everyone represented, say something. 
Uh, you are the consumer. You are the one buying the products. You are the one watching the TV show. Um, so call people out. Say, like, I want to see scientists that look like this. I want to see uh, why, why does everyone look the same? All mm -hmm. scientists don't look like that. I want to see other people. Mm -hmm. um, you can support um, organizations that are dedicated to diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. um, you can also support people in your life. Uh, so if you see someone, if you have someone in your life that um, is feeling like science isn't for them because they don't see themselves in science, encourage them and say, no, you belong in science just as much as everyone else and, and help them and, and tell them that they can do it. Uh, there's a lot of people that say a lot of ignorant things, especially to kids, yeah. uh, like where you, know, where you have little girls that are digging through dirt at the beach and someone comes up to them and says, oh, don't get dirty or something like that. That's mm -hmm. that. that. That tells girls being a girl means I can't ever get dirty and I can't play in the dirt and I can't go in the ocean. And I can't do this. No, don't ever tell someone that they can't do something. Right. <laughs> um, girls belong in science. Girls should play in the dirt. Yeah. Um, don't say to someone like being black and growing up, it was always like, don't get your hair wet. Mm -hmm. or whatever um just make sure that you are using inclusive language and you're using supportive language especially for young people because if you're an adult or you're an older person they are really going to take what you say to heart when i was in middle school i was in a science magnet program and i had a friend who was in the program with me and she had an adult in her life tell her that guys weren't going to like her if she was too smart and she Stop. dropped out. She dropped out of the magnet program, and she did not pursue science because of that adult saying that to her. Oh so just think God. about what you say. <laughs> like, don't say things that discourage people. Like, that's so so bad. <laughs> All <laughs> Be right. Encouraging. Well, that is good advice. There you go. I don't. I hope none of you would say something like that. Um, but that's cool. Just to to be mindful of our own choices. Um, Rob Dog with twenty dollars, and Joey with. $10. Um, that's brought us to $1,735 um, so far. That is, oh, Conch with $11. Thank you. Um, so $1,746.83. <laughs> um, I will let you know the, the final amount once I, once I do this outro and um, close everything up here. But thank you so much for, for coming on. I know we talked, I was a lot of sawfish stuff. <laughs> we got kind of carried away talking about that, but it's all so interesting. And I know they love learning about that. Um, so thank you for, for that, for your information and, and your time. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, of course. If you guys want to follow Jasmine, you can do command guest. If you want to check out more about miss, you can do command org, um, follow Miss's socials as well. If they're on Twitter and Instagram, um, and, they, they post some good information. So if you're looking to stay up to date, that's, that's a good place to go as well. So cool. Well, I will be in touch with you soon. I'll send you some of the analytics so you can get a feel for uh, what the reach was for the podcast. And then I'll, I'll send you the final donation amount and yeah, and that'll do it. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. Bye. Hooray. That was so cool. She was so nice. She was so nice. Jeez.
Oh my gosh. A bounty just expired within six minutes. We have a bounty group and they just said there was a bounty six minutes ago and it's already gone. Dang it. Okay. Um, <laughs> cool. So Jasmine is wonderful. That was really cool. Um, sawfish are sick. And I didn't know... I didn't know about the... Uh, bounty group it's not like it's just a group dm where if there's a bounty it says bounty um i didn't know anything about sawfish all i knew is what they looked like um and i also thank you um i didn't know about uh the i don't want to say it wrong long tooth long tooth sawfish um, being locally extinct. Yeah, thank you for the $3.17 fixed. $1,750. Huge donations today. Chat. Like, huge. Thank you so much. Um, yes, Andrew. <laughs> um, thank you guys for Koopa. Thank you for the five. Um, thank you guys for donating. Thank you for watching. I know the podcast is a little bit later today. Um, but if, if you have been here, I appreciate you being here. Um, this was really neat. I just like, can't get over Like every guest we have is so cool. Like they're so, they're so interesting and they get so excited about talking about what they study. You know what I mean? It's just like contagious. I love it so much. Um, what's the total for all money raised for orgs now? The site isn't updated, um, but what's on the site is for the podcast. I think it's it's forty eight k, but that's we're like six episodes behind. Um, on my channel, it's it's well over a hundred k, but I don't know what the actual number is right now. So big time. Um, I will have the site updated soon. Um, I need to, maybe about 54k, I, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, I need to do summaries for the website and get them archived on there, so they'll go up there. Not, if you're here live, you probably aren't, aren't looking for that, but I will do that, I swear. Um, okay, so. $1,750. Absolutely insane. I also love it when I have the email so that it goes straight to their PayPal. It makes it so much easier for me. Snoodles with a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. One thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars straight <laughs> to minorities and shark sciences. I also so appreciate every time we've had a conversation like this that has to do with diversity or inclusion in the field. You guys are so supportive about the conversation and it's so great. And I appreciate that so much. I know this is like a super niche thing. Minorities in shark sciences is, is pretty niche, but you guys are, are wonderful about, um, about like, yeah, just like cheering and, and being, being excited about that. So thank you for, for letting me bring that to my platform. Cause I think it's an important conversation to have. Um, all right. Chuck has been so kind as to write questions about the conversation that I had um, with Jasmine just now. Um, there is a quiz. We will do a quiz. Five questions, 20 seconds per question. You win the quiz by getting the most questions correct the fastest. 
if you win the quiz, if you're not already a sub to my channel, I will gift you a sub, no, to my channel. If you are already a sub, I will gift you a sub to a channel of your choice, or you can ask me to donate an additional $5 to Miss today um, instead. Also, thank you for all your questions. I know I don't get to them. I will read the questions beforehand. Um, let me open this up so I can do this as fast as possible. Um, am I missing anything? I feel like there's usually something that I say after the podcast. I always just talk about how great the guest was. Do I ever talk about other things? Am I missing something? Or am I ready to make the quiz? The classic thing? I say that at the end. We gotta, <laughs> gotta wait for that one. Um, all right, I'm going to create this quiz. It's gonna take a couple minutes. Enable access, thank you. For the quiz, you have to enable access. Um, here's a little graphic to do it on your PC or on mobile. If you don't enable access, I will not know who you are. Um, Cal linked it, so you can't win if you don't do that. If you don't do that, you'll show up as contestant number whatever. So it won't matter if you win. So make sure that you do that. Um, I will be back in a couple minutes, like a minute and a half, two minutes. I just have to copy paste these questions into the quiz and give me a second. I will be back. Dance. Bye.
Quiz time. Let's go. <laughs> okay. Um, I am going to read the questions um, while I'm... How do I put this? Nyeh. Go. No. In. There. How do I put a tab? Oh, there. Okay. I'm going to read the questions before uh, before they show up. Are you ready? Okay, the first question. How does a sawfish's saw or rostrum detect prey? Where's my, what the heck? My extension. Here we go. Okay, give me a second. I don't see it, it hasn't popped up yet. It's sending the rules to you guys right now. Echolocation, that'd be sick. Okay. How does a sawfish saw detect prey? They don't detect prey. Electric charge, hairs on their rostrum, or they have extra eyes. Oh no, misclicks. Smed, thank you. Um, the correct answer is electric charge, which was surprising to me. Very cool. Um, 91 of you got that correct. I got it wrong on purpose. Someone told me false info. Yeah, there were a bunch of people in chat saying hairs to trick you. Who got it right the fastest? Side ramen. Well done. The next question is, according to Jasmine, how big can a sawfish get? Is it 25 feet? Is it 40 feet? Is it 16 feet? Or is it 5 feet? From tip to tail. LP's upset. Oh no. The correct answer is up to 16 feet. Danny, no! The correct answer is up to 16 feet. I don't know why I wrote that one like that. Congratulations, 145 people got that correct. Who measures feet? We talked about it last stream. We're doing it in the metric or in the in the units that the guest uses. Show scores. Who got that one right? The fastest squid. But who's in the lead? Side ramen still. Well done. Yeah, Riz is in second. Remy is in second in total. Next question is, what predators do sawfish have to worry about? Adult sawfish. What predators do adult sawfish have to worry about? Sharks, manatees, none, except for humans with a face or whales. <laughs> the 
the correct the correct answer is adult sawfish don't really have predators besides uh, the occasional human. Um, they're apex predators. Josh Williams misclicked. Captain, put put the face. 130 people got that right. Well done. I'll get top five, I hope. Chase, I hope that for you too. Who got that right the fastest? Sorry. Then Mikey the DJ. Then yeah, okay, cool. Total score, Sideramen is still in the lead. Is somebody gonna pull ahead? I just hope I'm not in last place. Me too, Theo. You can do it. Next question. How long do acoustic tags last on sawfish? Is it 20 days? Is it five to 10 years? Is it one year or is it 25 years? I made sure on this question to be, to pull a teacher move because I knew it was going to be on the quiz. And I asked her again during the podcast. Can we start over? No, we can't. Sorry, Gabby. The correct answer is five to 10 years for the acoustic tags. hundred and forty one people got that correct. Well done. B butt is behind. KZ's score is ruined. We have one more question. Who can redeem themselves? Terp got twenty K on that one. A perfect score. M Law up twenty two in second. Who's in the lead? Remy! <laughs> Let's go! Then Milko, and then yeah, okay, cool. Last question. Question number five. What do scientists predict sawfish populations have dropped to compared to old numbers? So like what percent of sawfish populations still exist? Is it 70% still exists. Is it 90%? Is it 1% or is it 5%? Chase is shooting for top five. The correct answer is they've, they've guessed for there to be 5% of sawfish populations that still exist in the wild. It's gone down to 5%. <clears throat> Bernie got it right. The correct answer is 5%. 157 people got that correct. Well done. Chat. Who do you think won the quiz? Remy. Remy did it, and yeah, okay, cool, in a close second. Congratulations, Remy. You want a sub or you want five? Cal, thank you for the seven. Donate five. Is Locke here? Oh, wait, no, I should just do it because it's their PayPal. That's easy. Never mind. Locke, I'll do it. Donate. 
five dollars. Two factor. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I did it. Hooray! $1,862.77. Twitch is an untapped reservoir for doing good. I can't imagine, like, I don't know how much my guests look into the podcast or look into Twitch as a platform, but they must be so confused. <laughs> like, do you ever think about that? After an hour of talking, it's just like a very casual conversation. They get like $1,500. <laughs> like, when I called her and I was like, oh, we raised $1,000 in the first 10 minutes. She was like, like, I don't even know if she reacted. She was like so confused. Um... Thank you, guys, for, uh, they'd be more confused if they're looking at chat. I'm not gonna lie to you, I stopped linking it. Snoodles, thank you for the three months. I used to link it in Discord, and I was like, if you want to try to follow along with the chat, you're welcome to, you're not, like, you don't have to, I'll, like, I'll take care of that. And I stopped linking it in Discord because they would just get, like, they would, people don't read it. The only people that, that read my chat are, like, you know, like, Twitch people, like Connor and Dobbins and Andrew. Um, and then Spider Guy read my chat. Sebastian read my chat. And Jordan. But Jordan's also like, yeah. Jordan read my chat too. Anyway. Um, okay. That's wonderful. The spider guy was cool. Oh my god, he was the best. They're all the best. Uh, I, I'm... Yeah. Um, speaking of the podcast, though. There will not be a podcast next week. Um, because I had mentioned it before. I just need a little bit of a break here. Um, I'm going to try to use... Uh, next week to kind of reset some stuff for myself um, and sort out the anxiety whatever that I was that hasn't gone away on its own so I think that I need to pay a little bit more attention to that than I was before so there won't be a podcast next week I'll still be streaming because streaming is easy and chill and like I don't really have to plan the podcast is just like more stuff to to handle um, you guys would be proud today I turned down three baby squirrels I was meant to take, or someone wanted me to take home three baby squirrels, but I was like, I don't have the time right now to do it. So I said no, and I delegated the raven release. So I went to the center, I netted the raven, and I asked someone else to drive it to the release location. And so I spent my whole day cleaning my house and like showering and like taking care of my shit and like changing my pillowcases or whatever. <laughs> So I'm gonna get it sorted out. I just I just need a week to um to chill and to do that. So thank you for understanding. I appreciate it. Um there will be cool guests uh there will be cool guests coming up in the future. I have lots of ideas. So yeah, Bernie. It's Friday. I have the board meeting on Sunday to see if I get voted in to the board of directors. Um, I had a conversation with, uh, one of the mem one of the board members on Thursday, um, and 
he's like the raptor guy. And so part of the hesitation for me getting voted in was that the founder didn't want to like step on any toes because that's been his thing for a really long time. And so he pulled me aside at work on Thursday and he said, he basically was like, I'm getting really old and I have been looking for somebody to take over. And he said, I've been watching you and I am impressed with your with how much you know and what you've been doing at the center. And so I'd be happy for you to do that. So. Hopefully all goes well on Sunday. Um, I have a new I have a new position. Um, so, yeah, that was really, really nice to hear um, from from somebody who's been reporting on Raptors there for like like 15 years or something. <laughs> um, considering I've only been there for, what, three months, four months? Um, yeah, really means a lot. Um, speaking of which, if you don't follow my Instagram, you should. It's Maya underscore Higa. I posted a picture of, um, or I posted a video of Tina today on my story, and she's doing miles better. Um, she's eating, she's like reaching for food now out of my hand. She's still not eating off tongs, but she reaches for solid food out of my hand now. Um, I know I was tube feeding her for a week, but now she's not only eating solids, like being force fed, like I just have to hold them out and she takes them out of my hand. Um, yeah, Tavian, it is crazy. It's, it's crazy to think about a week ago. She couldn't hold her head up. She was literally like laying with her head flat on the ground. I thought she was dead every time I went in there. Um, so she's, yeah, she's made huge, huge changes. I'm, I'm so pleased and so proud of, of what's happening with that bird. Um, I am going to play the outro, but I'm going to raid, uh, Young Llama today. Um, is there anything that I'm missing talking about? I'm I'm not sure if I'm gonna stream. I don't even want to know what he said. You test me, Broders. Thank you for the sub. Um, podcast is tomorrow. Oh, that's when I'll see you. Housewives podcast is tomorrow. What time is it? That's a good question. Uh, what time is the podcast? Maybe six? Going to north. Okay, I don't know. I think it's at six. There will be tweets. What time is the podcast tomorrow? Um, okay, so... I think it's gonna be like six. Board meeting Sunday. Yeah, so like... I'm not gonna drink as much, <laughs> cause uh, yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet if I'm gonna stream on Sunday. I think that I'm bringing Matt to the rehab center. 
Um, so if he's down, maybe we'll stream, um, but I'm not sure. Uh, and then I will see you guys on Monday for an IRL. Um, yeah, the Raven did get released today. I don't have a video of it because I sent a volunteer transporter to, to release him, um, but he said it was a beautiful takeoff. He said it was like one of the good ones where it like flies into the sunset kind of takeoff. <laughs> there wasn't a sunset. It was earlier. It was this morning, but um, he said it was a really good one. So I'm pretty proud of that. Also, I like he is ready to go. I tried to net that Raven for half an hour yesterday and I couldn't do it today. I had to get my boss to go out there with me. You guys know that platform? Do you guys remember where I was trying to net the Swainsons? You know how there's a wood platform in there? I had to climb up there. I netted from on top of that platform today. Cause the Raven was like, the Raven was smart enough to understand that he could fly above us. So I climbed up there and I netted him from the top of the platform. It was nuts. Anyway, um, I will see you guys tomorrow for the podcast in the evening. Um, I will, uh, I probably won't make a tweet, but I'll probably retweet one of their tweets. So my Twitter's myahiga6. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna check that out. Um, and I'm excited. It'll be good. Tommy, thank you for the five. Uh, those podcasts are always fun. So I I'm looking forward to that. And don't worry about my, the mental. I will start it out. I I'm not too worried about not being able to figure it out, uh, over the next week. that she likes getting her nails clipped. I feel like most dogs hate that. When I bring out the nail clippers in my bed, she flips over and she puts her legs like this and just lets me like clip all her nails. It's so nice. And then Maverick tried to fucking bite me today, so freaking bite me today. They're different. Anyway, all right, I'm getting off. Um podcast. Oh, we don't have a time. She just said I'm free whenever. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to shoot for like do you guys want me to try to make it earlier? Do you guys want for like, should I ask about like five? Five PM CT? Four is probably too early. I'll say it's five too early. Okay, so I'll let you guys know tomorrow. It'll be on Twitter. Um, I'm pulling up the outro right now, hold up. I always feel like I'm forgetting something when I do the podcast, always. Okay, Adept said five is good. We'll figure it out. Find on Twitter tomorrow. Sorty way! Oh no, we're sending them straight to Young Llama! Chat! <laughs> Sorty, thank you for the rain. Um, I, will, uh, I will see you guys tomorrow for the podcast. I will post updates of Tina on my Instagram story. I will post updates of Craig on my Instagram story. He moved in with another bunny yesterday, so he's very happy. We have three squirrels that I may or may not take on. I don't know yet. One of them is leucistic, which means that it's pretty much white, so I'm trying to decide if it's gonna be releasable or not. It might get darker, it might not. I can't decide, it's very confusing. That may be a part of the stream. We'll see, I'll keep you guys posted, um, but 
yeah, follow my Instagram for animal stuff. Okay. I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Thank you so much for the donations and for watching. I, I, I really, really appreciate it.